Grace, mercy, and the peace of our God be and abide with us this day. In the name of Jesus, amen. When I was in high school, I took a class in physics, and I happened to have um, a teacher that my dad had had his first year teaching at the high school that we both attended, and I had him his last full year. And in between, he taught chemistry and physics and science classes for the school. Mr. Sprague was his name. Well, in Mr. Sprague's class, where we studied physics, toward the front door, there was this big panel. And it was kind of this hunter green color, and it had all these black knobs and switches and little needle things on it. And nobody had a clue what it was or how it worked. But we knew we probably shouldn't touch it. And that was important. Mr. Sprague one day wanted to introduce us to the power of electricity. So he had the whole class stand. And we held hands. And he went to that panel. And he turned some knobs and switched some switches. And and then he sent electrical current through the class as we held each other's hands. We felt that jolt through our forearms. Probably can't do that these days. I don't know. That might probably can't hold hands. Can't hold hands now for sure. Can't even go to school. But um, that was my experience in my physics class in high school. And it was, it was, well, the most exciting moment of it, well, not for the student who was next to him, but there was a, a young man in the class who let go right before it. It meant the the last person in that line was suddenly the end of the train and the ground for that, so the shock was more significant. He had a dial to limit the amount of current that we would feel. Most of us have felt electrical power in some way. Maybe you've tested a 9-volt battery by putting it on your tongue. It works. It's A little bit crude, but you can tell if your 9-volt battery is dead or not by doing that. I had a friend who used to take 9-volt batteries and touch his dog's nose with them. That's probably not the nicest thing you can do either. Or maybe you've been doing some wiring and thought the switch was off or the um, circuit breaker for that part of the home was, was turned off. And then when you feel that sudden tingle in your fingers, you realize that you turned off the wrong one. People have harnessed the power of the electron. People understand current and voltage and power in this way. As we think about our God today, we want to recognize this, that God's power is unlimited. God's power is unlimited. With God, all things are possible. So any experience that we have of power of things that we might not understand or can't quite see, pales in comparison to the power of God. We borrow words from Mark chapter 10 with this, with God all things are possible. He's actually talking about something different, but those words work well to think about the power of God because God makes and sustains All life, Isaiah chapter 40, we heard these words read, lift up your eyes on high and see who created these. 
Isaiah thinking about the stars in the heavens. Who created these? He who brings out their host by number, calling them all by name by the greatness of his might, and because he is strong in power, not one is missing. That's a glimpse at the power of our God. That's scratching the surface of God's power as creator. He spoke and things came into existence. It's not something that makes sense to us. What makes more sense is things developing slowly over long periods of time. God speaking and then everything happens in the instant like Genesis 1 talks about just doesn't work. In our minds, in our finite understanding of everything, that's difficult. But that's what God's Word says. God spoke and things happen. Isaiah reflects a bit about the creative nature of God. And God sustains all life. He's the creator and sustainer. He didn't just make it and think, okay, now I guess I'll see what happens. Life is sustained by the hand of our God. There's food. There's Rain. Recently, we've had rains, and, and the hills that are just back here on this side of the building have started turning green. And this time of year is a great reminder of, of the life that comes from the earth. The life that is revealed even in what looks kind of dead, in this, this brownish tan that's affectionately referred to as the Golden Hills. <laughs> And now they're turning green, and it's just an exciting time. There's a balance of living things so that there's not an overwhelming number of a certain, maybe, cricket in a space or cicada. I remember when I was in high school was one of the years that the 17-year cicada invaded southwest Ohio where I grew up, and they, it felt like they were everywhere and guess what's coming this summer, friends in Ohio? <laughs> They're coming back. Even though there's an overwhelming number of those cicadas, this year is a short period of time. And the way that God sustains life, there's a balance and a, and a way that we can all coexist on the planet. God does this. He created this life with balance in it, and all that he does, God's identity is revealed. The all-powerful, or to use the word that we get from Latin, omnipotent one. That's who God is. Well, Jesus demonstrated the power of God. And in these words that we heard from Mark chapter 1 today, we see that happening. That he had power over creation. And we see that elsewhere in the Gospels, that he has power over nature, that he stilled storms, that he you know, could control what was happening in creation just by his presence. That he had power to walk on water, that he had power over life and death. And here in this reading from Mark 1, power over disease. Jesus came, this is verse 31, and took her, that's Peter's mother-in-law, by the hand, and lifted her up, and the fever left her, and she began to serve them. Have you been ill? We've had a disease that's run rampant through the world, 
over the last 12 months, a little more actually now, and God has power over disease. God has power over illness. Why he hasn't eradicated it just with the snap of his fingers or with his words, I don't know. But we can still understand that he has that power. He has power over the spiritual realm. We talked about that last week with Jesus, and there's more today. Verse 34, he healed many who were sick with various diseases and cast out many demons. And he would not let them, uh, he would not permit the demons to speak because they knew him. Recognize this. In the context of this, this is Mark chapter 1. In the whole, like, idea of a, a narrative or a story that you might write, Early on, it's character introduction and development, right? If you're just picking up the book of Mark and you don't know who Jesus is and you didn't, you know, already know the backstory and all the things that we, that we know about Jesus, if it was completely new, imagine this. You're reading it for the first time and here comes this person named Jesus, right? Mark doesn't share a birth narrative, He doesn't introduce Jesus with angels showing up and saying, this is who is going to be born, and this is where you're going to find him, and he will be called this. None of that. He introduces John the Baptist. Jesus comes and gets baptized. He calls a few disciples. He travels to Capernaum, and then he starts preaching and healing and casting out demons. Boom. Mark just jumps into this action and introduces the character of Jesus in, in the way that a narrative introduction happens, introduces Jesus into the story with examples of his power and his authority. See, that's how we learn about who Jesus is, by his amazing power. And God's power goes beyond our understanding. After learning about electricity by holding hands of classmates and having the, the shock come through our forearms, I went on and studied electrical engineering in college. That was my undergraduate degree. So I learned a lot about electricity and how it happens and how it works and, and how, we can, um, how we can control it and how we can harness that power and how we can use it. And in fact, we're using it right now because if it weren't for electricity, this signal that's being streamed couldn't happen. We can learn a lot, we can know a lot, but some things still don't necessarily make sense. Behavior of, well, let's think about light. We don't understand light even though we see it and we can understand it to a degree. Well, light sometimes acts like a a particle and sometimes acts like a wave and can be affected by gravity even though it doesn't have mass. And there's a lot of things about light that just don't make sense. God's power is like that. We cannot know the mind of God. Verse 28 from Isaiah 40. Have you not known, have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. His mind cannot be known by our finite capacity. 
if you prefer the New Testament. Romans chapter 11, verse 33 says it this way. Oh, the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God, how unsearchable are his judgments and how inscrutable his ways. The Apostle Paul is likely referencing Isaiah chapter 40 there, giving a a hint at this is what he knows from the Old Testament and this is what he's experienced in his life, that God's mind and God's power are beyond our capacity to understand. We can't comprehend the things of God. His amazing power is beyond us. It's beyond what we will ever, in fact, fully comprehend on this side of eternity. We're just limited. I like to think of it this way. If I could understand everything about God, then I don't want to believe in that God. Right? If God were subject to, I could comprehend him and and fit him into the parameters that made sense to my mind, that's a pretty weak God. If God doesn't blow our minds from time to time, if his power isn't amazing, if he can't do things that don't make sense to me, then that is not a God I want to follow and believe. I'm glad I don't understand everything about God. I don't want to. I mean, I want to know more maybe than I know, and sometimes I get frustrated when I get to that limit and I, you know, things don't make sense, and we have to hold that tension between two things that seem mutually exclusive, but God does both, and how? I don't know. And that's frustrating, but I'd rather have it that way than have a God that I can fully grasp. That would not be an all-powerful God. So here's a way that Jesus demonstrates God's power in a way that we don't understand. Because Jesus is power in humility. In our Bible class, just last week we saw these words from 1 Corinthians. Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. This is Jesus, the power of God in the flesh. The power of God as a person. So we know what that looks like. We know what power looks like, right? If you think of a powerful person, what do you imagine? Maybe a a suit. If it's a man, like the suit and tie. If it's a woman, it's, you know, the the coordinating, you know, either pants or skirt and and jacket and the power suit, right? And that... That attire that makes the person, you know, assume that powerful kind of role. We assume people have power based on what they are wearing. Or a title after a name. Little initials, maybe, give a person power. Or the corner office. A powerful person has the best view. The nameplate outside the door, the fancy car, maybe a chauffeur. These are things we think about with power. But when it comes to Jesus, he had none of these things, right? He's power in humility. How did he demonstrate that? We see his power over creation or illness or spiritual forces. But he does it humbly. 
the one who didn't have a home, the one who didn't have places of comfort for himself, but prayed in desolate places. We saw that in Mark chapter 1, that he went off to a desolate place to pray. He didn't have, even have a door he could close to keep out people so he could take a moment to be in communion with his father, to reflect on what was going on, to pray and to um, even learn He sought no fame, even when everyone was looking for him. You know, as he starts to heal, Mark has already shared with us that people were looking for him and coming out from every quarter, and and Jesus could have become, you know, this really powerful leader because everyone wanted to follow him. But that's not how it worked. Instead, he preached the good news to all. Instead, he healed all these diseases of people who didn't follow him for long, didn't believe in him, didn't trust in him. He reached out to the unlovable. He reached out to the untouchable. There's a story of the leper here in the latter part of our reading. Lepers were considered unclean, people to be avoided, right? Because, whoa, They've got a skin disease, and I don't want it, so we'll get them away from everyone so that until they're healed, then they can come back to where we are. But Jesus went to where they were. Jesus connected with people who were considered untouchable and unclean. He ate meals with tax collectors and sinners. And he was accused of all kinds of things by the religious elite He suffered on behalf of us, of you and me. He took our sin to the cross, even though he had not sinned. This is where the power of God doesn't make sense the most, is the cross. Like when he's challenged, come down from the cross and prove it to us. In some ways, I think Jesus should have done it, right? And proven to people. But that's not how it worked. He had to die in our place. The amazing power of God in a finite human who died? That makes no sense at all. That's incomprehensible. But that's how it worked so that you and I can be forgiven, so that you and I can receive grace, so that you and I can receive this mercy and forgiveness so that we can approach God. Not as broken, sinful people that we know we are, but as the people who are forgiven and blessed by this power from God who has cleansed us from our sin by the work of Jesus, His Son. So now we have access to God's power. Not in a way that we can manipulate and control. See, it's not by our will. This is the part to make sure that we understand from this conversation with the leper. In verse 40, a leper came to him, imploring him, and kneeling said to him, If you will, 
you can make me clean. That's will like desire. If you desire, right, if you want to, if it is your will, might be a better way to understand it. If it's your will, God, you can make me clean. If it's your will, Jesus, you can do this. We pray, thy will be done. And sometimes we really mean it. Most of the time, we have our own desires. We have our own expectations. We have things we want God to do by his power, and we want to tell him what that is. We want to give him the list. Here, God, this is your to-do list for today. We have access to God's power, but not according to our will. When we walk in the will of the Lord and we are obedient and submit to him, we see the power of God at work. So it's not by our will but we see it in our weakness. We see the power of God in our weakness. This also seems counterintuitive, but the Apostle Paul writes this in 2 Corinthians 12. God said to me, this is at verse 9, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. People who have power and strength and ability and wealth and position and etc it becomes very tempting be- to become completely self-reliant but when we see our weakness when we recognize our shortcomings that's when the power of god comes to us to lift us up we have access to god's power in our weakness We have access to God's power by waiting. These words from Isaiah chapter 40 are pretty well known. Even youths shall faint and be weary, and young men shall fall exhausted. Have you been exhausted? Have you been weary? I know there's a lot of people who felt weary, who felt exhausted, who've been burdened and overwhelmed by all that this past 12 months has meant. All the requirements, all the shutdowns, all the, the quarantined and shelter in place and don't go and don't touch and don't breathe and etc. It's just so burdensome. It's just so wearying. And the mental part of it is, is taxing. And then there's physical on top of it for many, many people. But they, this is going on in at verse 31, but they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. For what are you waiting on God? For what are you waiting? hoping that you're waiting for, that you're trusting, that you're looking ahead toward. We can wait on God for strength, for renewal, for endurance, for healing. Sometimes we wait longer than we like. It doesn't mean the amazing power of Jesus is less or unable 
It's God's timing. The power of God is at work in our lives. The amazing power of Jesus, who humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross for you and for me, so that we can see his power now and for eternity. Amen.